Hello and welcome to the Upgrade School Marketing Podcast. Uh, my name is Matt Soule. I'm the Director of Marketing and Communications at Chapel Hill Chauncey Hall School in Waltham, Mass. And I'm Angie Ward, founder of Enroll Media Group, a digital marketing agency for schools. Angie, how's it going? It's going great. Yeah. How's everything yeah. with you, Matt? It's going really well. We're, uh, yeah, we're, we're full on into uh, open house season and happy to have people coming back on campus and, and touring and uh, and this has been amazing as well. Again, we keep hearing uh, amazing things from people on, on LinkedIn and we're getting messages on on the site and people subscribing. So it's really, really cool to see people coming up, wanting to be future guests, people listening and getting some things from this. So it's been really cool yeah. to see. Yeah, this podcast has been a lot of fun so far. Um, yeah. And I love today's episode as well because international student recruitment is such a hot topic right now. Um, so, you know, schools are always looking for creative ways to reach students internationally. Um, and, you know, we always recommend obviously starting with your website and making sure that that's optimized for that student um, search journey. Uh, but today we're going to talk about different strategies and, and we're going to dive into somebody who really knows the international student recruitment space. So I'm excited about today's podcast as well. Yeah. And uh, definitely agree. It's, it's probably one of the most, uh, like frequent topics that come up in all the circles of questions. And, and I think it's one of the ones that's changing the fastest, you know, how, how do you reach and it has the most unknowns, you know, when you talk about international marketing and you're dealing with all these different languages and communities and cultures, um, the ways that they, they take in information and what's blocked in certain countries. So it was really great to talk to James and have some tips that are, are things that are pretty universal and, using things that schools are used to, which is how you use word of mouth to to spread your school's message and to, to reach new students, and that there are ways to use that with international students as well. So that was really great to hear. So, um, so yeah, so let's get into talking with James. Um, and so James has been working in schools for 20 years. He's been a teacher, he's been a coach, a dorm parent, he's been a director of admissions, um, and he's currently at Finding School where he is their business uh, development director, the director of business development, and he works with schools to help them um, spread their voice around the globe and work with international students in particular. So let's go into our talk with James Ramsdale. Hi, James. It's great to see you today. Hi, Angie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited about this conversation with you. I know I had the pleasure of meeting you in person about a year ago, and we talked a lot about your role and some of the trends you're seeing take place at boarding schools. Um, so we'd love just to start off high level though and hear a little bit about findingschool.net. You know, for those who aren't aware of finding school, do you want to just quickly give us an overview? Yeah, absolutely. So first thing to know is we're a US company. There's often a little confusion thinking that we might actually be in China because that's our focus for audience, but we're actually a US owned and Boston-based company. Our entire team is actually in Boston. So um, which is great for for all of us. Finding School is the number one platform for families, consultants, agents who are looking for information about schools in the U.S. and Canada. And most of them are coming from China. About 65% of all our traffic comes from mainland China. And in fact, our actual site itself is in Mandarin. But our goal is not to be a consultant or an agent. In fact, we don't do any of that. And there's often confusion with that. We're more of a platform where people come get information about schools, they can ask questions, they can connect directly with a school. So our job is to really help a school share their voice, particularly in a time when people can't get on a plane. Um, families aren't able to come here and, and likewise, they're, 
admission representatives, heads of school are not able to go visit, particularly in China. So it's allowed people to come and feel more connected and to really get a better sense of what's going on. Um, someone called us the trip advisor of independent schools. I think mm -hmm. that's a pretty, pretty accurate piece. It's a reliable spot where people can come get more information about a particular school or community. That's nice. great. And um, with Finding School, before we kind of, we're going to jump and talk a little bit about just, you know, globally marketing, what's changing in marketing to students in China. And, um, but just a little bit more on Finding School. So what, when families are going to these school profiles, I know they're seeing a bunch of different things. There's rankings, gradings, there's some things going on there. What's most important to the families that are going onto these sites? Like, what do they really want to see when they're going to see a school profile? Yeah, Matt, the first place they always land is a profile page, which has almost anything you could possibly ever want to know about a school or community on it. So school, schools really focus most of their time on that. But what they're really doing is trying to take the next step in the process. Most of our families come to us already with a name in hand, certainly some that will do a cold search on our platform, but most will already have a name either from a consultant or a family friend. Word of mouth marketing, even in a place like China, is still the number one source for schools. And so a lot of times they're coming here to find out more. It can be as simple as where it's located or whether it's a co-ed school or not. It can be as complicated as where have the Chinese students matriculated to in the last five years. So it's a really wide range, but the idea is to make it a one-stop shop so they don't have to leave our site to go somewhere else and, and look around. But to directly answer your question, Matt, they wanna know the matriculation is very important. They wanna know about ranking which is still very important for a lot of families. And they wanna know what the next step in the process is. Where do I go from here? That's great. And so just to follow up on that too, so um, you're talking about word of mouth. So we're talking to school marketers. Um, are there any things that you've seen or suggest that that help? Because sometimes that can be a, it can be a tricky one when you're working with different languages, you're working with different time zones, you know, alumni who move across the world. Um, have there any been been any sort of um, examples of word of mouth marketing that schools have done that you think has worked pretty well? I'll tell you the one I like the best that has nothing to do with finding school. We we actually do partner with a school out on the West Coast, and they do an event with the head of school four times a year. It's a live event, and what they simply do is they do it for all their current Chinese families, and they ask each family to bring one or two friends into the meeting with them. And it's remarkable how well that goes and how successful it is because it's a combination about talking about the kids' current experiences with also the sort of the sales pitch about admissions and next steps. But nothing is more valuable than to hear about a family having success in the theater or in the field or in a class. And so it costs them actually nothing other than the head of school's time. Uh, they do do it rather early in the morning. So there are a few challenges there with the time zones, but it's a great example of how you can take your current group and let them actually sing your voice for you. That's incredible. I, that. I mean, I think we're always like trying to find things that are, you know, sometimes there's things that don't overlap. It's marketing or it's good for current families. But anytime you can do something that is beneficial for current families and is also word of mouth marketing at the same time is is huge. Thank you. Yeah. That's a great I idea. Just, I would also add that for a majority of the schools, the kids who end up enrolling, not just being accepted or applying, but the kids who end up enrolling often have a personal connection to that school. And so the more you can form that early on, more you can use your current alumni, past alumni, and so on, the more you'll be really successful with actually not only accepting a student, but actually yielding that kid as well. 
That's what we're all looking for. That's amazing. Thank <laughs> that you. makes a lot of sense. No, that's great. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Would you want to take maybe um, a step back from finding school and kind of talk a little bit generally about the Chinese market and you know how does the importance of the Chinese market impact a school's global reach? In your opinion, James. So the Chinese market is the backbone for any international program. Um, we all want to have a diversified student body. We all want to make sure we don't have all our eggs in one basket. But the reality is over the last 15 years, schools have created and the rest of us around them an industry that really focuses on the Chinese group. They tend to be full pay students. And that's really important for a lot of a lot of schools. They also tend to be very talented students. We're making huge generalizations here, but if schools and their marketing and admissions teams think about the kids who have enrolled from China, they're often with sort of the feeling, we'd love eight more of those kids. We really, they just couldn't be um, better citizens on our campus and so on. But the biggest change has been the introduction double reduction. And I'm sure that's either been a conversation for a different podcast or another time in someone's uh, school offices. But double reduction has really changed things. The ability for students to focus on after-school tutoring and support their English, their English ability is really going to change the market for everybody. The other, obviously, has been COVID and the lack of school's ability to come over to China and understand what's going on there and vice versa to have families come over and see their campus. So more and more, they're having to rely on a platform like a finding school to share their voice. It used to be, I'm going to go twice a year, meet everybody, travel to six different cities, meet my kids, we'll go from there. That obviously hasn't happened in three years and we don't project it to happen this year either. Um, and so more and more they're having to use sort of a third party site and understand how to market within China, which is something most people would have never done before. The last place that most people ever wanted to put money was in China. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. And actually Matt and I were just talking about this earlier. You know, what What do you say to a school who says, you know, I I don't need to advertise um, in China or, or recruit Chinese families? Yeah, I'd, I'd say, honestly, that's a pretty naive and old fashioned way of looking at things. Mm -hmm. uh, to give you, go back finding school for a minute. On March 10th, which for many of your schools is, is sort of D-Day, we have our traffic is six times greater on March 10th than any other day of the year. So when you offer that student, chances are, four or five other schools have offered that student an acceptance as well. They're coming to other places to get more information, to get more detail. I said, Angie, recently to a school, they can either hear your voice or they can hear my voice. On March 10, I want them to hear your voice. The other piece is really more about marketing. So for some schools, yeah, they don't need more applicants. And in fact, they've often put up roadblocks trying to slow down the Chinese market whether it's pre-interviewing with different companies or having to do a pre-test on their ESL ability before they can even apply. So for a lot of schools who might get, you know, 1,200, 1,300 applications, but those are people who are all talking to each other. They're all getting information somewhere. And so if I told you that you were getting 20,000 hits from the state of Texas tomorrow, the first thing you do is go into Texas and make sure that it was all the branding and marketing voice that you wanted everyone to hear. You need to take that same sort of energy and put it into okay. China, whether you need new, more students or not. So I think that importance is clear. Um, so over, you know, the last three years and, you know, just, just even before then, there's been a lot of changes happening. So what has changed in China, whether it's in the school market or just as a whole 
that is impacting schools and how they how they market and is impacting families and you know the number of families that are searching or how they're searching like what changes are happening that that school marketers need to be aware of so the biggest change has been the role of consultants and agents in sort of this pipeline uh, many, many, many of the families will end up with working with a consultant and agent. And I define the two a little differently. I would say a consultant is someone who helps you, but um, the family is, is engaged with that relationship versus an agent where the school may be paying part of a commission for every enrolled student or something like that. So that's just for own clarification. That's how I define them. Mm -hmm. But those industries have been decimated, and that is not an overstated word right there. So for many schools, they used to have their reliable four or five consultants or agencies, and they would rely on them to bring in the kids. So they really did a very, almost zero marketing in China because they had this machine that was running for them. What's happened is that machine has come to a screeching halt, and so no longer are they able to rely on all of those people to simply bring them students. And so now they've had to go in and we work with many schools who have said, you know, I can't even find these people I used to talk to mm -hmm. because the, the, the industry has literally come crashing down. And so schools that are relying on sort of a third party have had to scramble to put themselves back into that marketplace. And many have gone from, say, enrolling up to 10 to 15 students. We have some schools who contact us. They have zero new students coming in next year from China. That wow. would have been unheard of three years ago. Exactly. And are you seeing, um, just following up on that, are you seeing any like overall trends as far as traffic, as far as, you know, families and students that are making the decision to stay in schools in China versus looking to come to a boarding school in the United States or in Canada? Um, are you seeing any any number trends on that? Um, obviously, there was a dip during COVID. Are numbers rebounding to where you hope they would or are they less yeah, they are rebounding just to give you the numbers that are probably easiest but they're really collate very well with the overall industry pre covid we were up almost at about seven million page views on our site our low point was about four million during the height of covid we expect to be somewhere in the low fives at the end of this year so you can already see the rebound in terms of the interest I would say, Matt, though, it's becoming much more regional in terms of city by city. Most of us used to look originally at China as just China, and we weren't really that focused on where to go or what city a kid came from. And in fact, we very seldom broke down even where those kids were from and even a board report or anything we were doing. We would just say these are the Chinese kids we would have. We would probably break Hong Kong and Taiwan differently. But other than that, we were not worried about that. Schools are being much more tactical now about where have I had interest? Where, am I, where is my alumni base? Maybe where am I consultant or agent based? And how do I specifically go after this area? Maybe not just Beijing and Shanghai, but how do I really target it? So schools are thinking about China the way they commonly think about the US. If you're a Massachusetts-based school and you get a New Hampshire boarding student, that's great, but that's different than getting one from North Dakota or Wyoming. That's just a fact. And so students are thinking about that and families are thinking about how do I really put that in play on my end? And as a school, how do I market not to China anymore? How do I market to this region or this province that maybe doesn't know as much about the international market as we take for granted that maybe Beijing or Shanghai do? Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you, 
you talked about the analytics of finding school. And I, I know I'm always impressed when I see um, within a school's Google Analytics account, how much traffic is actually coming from finding schools referral to the website. Um, so, you know, in working with schools every day, obviously it's one of those um, directories that we recommend you keep up to date. Um, when it comes to the platform itself, um, what are you seeing as common mistakes that a lot of your partners might make? Yeah, so the, the biggest mistake for most of them is expecting their Google platforms to, and excuse the pun, translate really well across the Pacific. They're often very cut off when I start using words like Baidu and so on. They're very confused about what's going on. They're very surprised to hear that things like Instagram um, or most of their video platforms, including YouTube, those are all broken links. And so areas where schools are spending a great deal of time and energy, in fact, are unavailable to the world's largest audience. And so really getting to rethink about how do you share everything that you want to in a manner that's very appropriate for, again, your largest audience. And so I would say that's the biggest piece that they really need to understand is what am I doing now for my global audience? And does that really get into the Chinese market or do I need to modify my existing material? Are there, um, you know, with YouTube and Instagram, social media, things that are sort of the, the bread and butter for school marketers here and reaching families here, uh, you know, inaccessible there. Are there areas, um, whether it's social media or video platforms, things that school marketers should be doing that you think are worth the time outside of finding school that families are using, that students are using, that would be um, worth, worth the time put into it to reach people? Well, Matt, WeChat would certainly be at the top of that list, and that's not going to be a surprise to either of you or anybody probably listening to this. Um, we could do seven hours on WeChat and the importance. We should. Of it. We'll come back. We'll come back and do uh, a WeChat. Come back. For sure. uh, well, we'll get someone else from my team who's much better at it than I am. Yeah. But I would tell you that schools uh, either misunderstand even how to use WeChat, or most commonly, they're only talking to their current parents through WeChat. It's more sort of an update about, you know, what we're doing for the holiday break and, you know, how, what our coverage to the airport ride is going to look like. And while that's important, we've already talked about word of mouth marketing, that's not typically expanding that world a little bit. And so what we do a lot of talking with schools about is how to do that. But honestly, Matt, the biggest question on WeChat is who controls the account on your school? Many people find out it's an international coordinator or maybe it's even someone who teaches Mandarin and it's his or her own account. And so starting to think about it more as something, you know, you would never leave Instagram just in one person's hands who was not in a marketing team. And I would say the same for WeChat. It needs to make the, 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 the move, the transition from sort of a hobby piece to a full-blown marketing um, feel because that's where they're getting their information. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so in terms of what schools are doing really well, um, do you have any, you know, anecdotes you want to share or, or use cases? Yeah, I won't use any names, but there, there's a lot of really great stuff going out there. Um, one is getting current parents much more involved. Um, platforms like ours and many other ones that some schools use are making it very easy for families to connect with a, a current parent and in their own language. That's really powerful uh, when someone can have that. Doing much more highlighting of young alumni success. Uh, whether we want to admit it or not, we know that matriculation for all families, particularly for Chinese families, but for all families is really important. So the more you can talk about the success at the next level is really powerful. 
particularly at some of the bigger schools. One of the mistakes schools often make in the matriculation list is that they often highlight schools that are not as well-known globally. And so that while they're very well-known here, I pick on particularly some of the schools and you know liberal arts schools in New England, they don't carry nearly the same weight as a university of pick your, pick your large school. And yeah. so for a lot of schools, it's just also thinking about what does the next step look like? In Canada, it's very different. In Canada, we work with a lot of schools. It's often a first step to immigration. And so that's a whole different conversation as well. But in the US, it's often thought of as what is my stepping stone to the next piece? None of us want to put that out there as the first marker. But the reality is, if you don't have that, they're not going to look there to begin with. A lot of the talks we have is about, you know, when I hear you talking about WeChat and owning it, and, you know, we've created uh, lots of different documents in all sort of different languages and doing that. It's a, it's a lot, especially, you know, when you don't have sometimes all of the the people that you need for that. You know, we're talking to a lot of schools with small teams and with, you know, limited experience. So I would just say just one shared thing is students often. Uh, we're a boarding school here and I talk with students and they're amazing to talk with, to be like, what did, how did you, what did you look through? Like what, and they're like, oh, we watched your videos on WeChat and we we did that. Like they'll tell you exactly, you know, what was important to them, their family who are looking at schools and what's important to them. So uh, that's a resource that I have definitely seen. And I did, I wanted to just throw that out as an open-ended one to see are there any other resources or things that a small school could could tap into to get these things done. Yeah. And Matt, let me just add one other really quick item, which is a lot of schools put great information about how to apply as an international student on their website. I would tell you it's often surprising how many clicks it takes to get to it. Um, and when English is possibly your second language, you're expecting someone to navigate what is a very text heavy website. Um, so I would just caution schools that way. You often spend a lot of time putting it out there, but it's, it's a little bit more down the pipeline in terms of clicks than you might think it is. So that, that's really important. Um, I would absolutely agree. Student tours are very powerful. We get a lot of hits if you give a student. Um, we're now actually working with WeChat where we're gonna start doing some live broadcast from schools. And those will be really powerful. People will actually get to see what a school assembly looks like or lunch, lunch in the dining hall or whatever it's gonna be or study hall at night. So those are really powerful ways to think, powerful ways to do it. I would tell you the best pieces that I have seen done, whether it's through Finding School Others, Honestly, they're free. It's just using the power of your community to get the word out. It's not having to go buy more space or do anything like that. It's typically just making sure that you are really using your voice. Because quite honestly, if you take away the name and the color of the uniforms, a lot of us look very similar. True. Yeah, we, we talk about that a lot, about how schools differentiate themselves and how similar we can all sound. So that's important. Um, you know, you talked about the partnership with WeChat. Are there any other things that are coming up for, for you all at Finding School that's coming up forward? Yeah, so we've expanded into Canada quite a bit, which has been great for us. There are wonderful schools up there, um, wonderful boarding and day schools. It tends to be a much more stable market uh, for the Chinese families for um, really three reasons. One is geopolitical stability is number one. Number two, safety is by far the number one concern of Chinese families right now. And the perception, and I would say accurately, is that Toronto, Vancouver, and other places are safer than many spots in the US right now. And the third is the cost 
of both secondary school and for the universities. And so many of the families have done it. Um, you could get about a, you know, th three years there is about a year and a half here in terms of costs. Um, so it just gives you that sense as well. So that's been really successful for us and some are really excited about. Quite honestly, our biggest change has been trying to manage and support all of our schools. Pre-pandemic, we had 34 schools that were what we call SMP or partner schools who are paying us a fee to enhance their program. As of this morning, we're at 168. Wow. Uh, so it speaks a lot about what we're doing as, as a platform, but it also just speaks about how people are taking the Chinese marketing area a lot more, I hate to say seriously, but they're kind of putting their money where their mouth is in terms of the importance of that. You just talked about like the geopolitical perspective and how people feel about about schools and in the United States. So what are the, the hurdles right now that U.S. schools have as far as perception of United States that families have that they need to make sure that they are getting ahead of and talking about? You know, what, what are the things that they're they're worried about, that they're concerned about that might be holding them back from from checking out even a United States school? So one piece about that, Matt, is that the way we might look at some event that happens in China and say all of China is like that or not understand the distance possibly between events. We have a lot of schools who will say, you know, we, we are taking a hit for something that happened five states away because the geography isn't as familiar. That's particularly true of schools in the Midwest who already struggle often to recruit students. The, the Northeast, California, Seattle, in some ways, they're always going to be okay. A really good example of schools that are struggling right now with some of the international kids are the Washington, D.C. schools. Um, the perception of Washington, D.C. after January 6th and so on. That's a that's a very vivid image and for families to think about it. Many of our schools three, five years ago used to brag about how close to a city they were or how close to an airport they were. You know, it was sort of best of both worlds. We're only 10 miles away from here. We're the, that often now is a real challenge for them. And so many schools have gone the other direction and have started to really highlight sort of how bubble uh, focused they are and how safe their kids are. And of course, nobody wants to make guarantees, but it's also important to remember that our many of our schools, particularly our boarding schools, they don't have fences around them. They don't have that sort of walled feeling that many international schools do all over the world. And so when some families visit or see the great drone shot in the fall in New England, they're not seeing that sort of bunkered feel to it. They're seeing a very lush, open um, campus. And that's been a real challenge for some schools as well to sort of talk about things like security that, that never would have been a conversation starter five years ago. Never would you have talked about that. Wow. Thanks so much, James, for hopping on today and sharing these insights. Um, how can our listeners find you or get in touch with the team at FindingSchool.net? Yeah, so literally go to FindingSchool.net. Don't, don't. We have a brand new homepage, which we're really excited about. Don't be overwhelmed by the fact that it's going to be in Mandarin when you first log on to it. Just do a quick Google Translate and you'll be able to see everything in English. And then if you want to get a hold of us, you just send us an email. It's right on the website. It's right on the homepage, but it's also partner at FindingSchool.net. And one of us will get back to you. Um, the one thing I'll leave you with this is I definitely didn't brag about our team enough. But if someone talks about the best part of Finding School or what we're doing right now, the, the team, I could not be more proud and supportive of all the work that they do. Um, I'm just a cog in it. And I just, the number one feedback we get from schools is how reactive, how immediate, 
and how quickly and politely we're able to help them with any challenges or onboard them. So I didn't get to brag about the team that I'm part of, but they're, they're awesome. But we'd love to talk to any school, um, whether they're just looking for some free guidance on what's going on or they really need to ramp up their program, just get a hold of us and we're ready to go. Awesome, great. that sounds great. Thank you so much, James. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you both. I really appreciate the time. Thanks again to James for coming on. That was a great talk, uh, full of great tips for all kinds of schools that are looking for recruitment internationally. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, action item for these listeners is to go check out your findingschool.net profile. Even if you're not actively trying to recruit Chinese students, it's such a popular platform that's growing. It's a place of social proof. So it's a way to amplify your digital presence. And so I think findingschool.net is, is definitely here to stay. And I'm glad um, we were able to talk to James and I hope our viewers found it valuable. Yeah. And one uh, another thing, action item, I think would be to go into your however you're tracking uh, Google Analytics or people coming to your site and see if they show up in in where people who are coming to your site. Are they a sending site to you? Because I think that's something that surprised me to see how many people were coming from that, too. Definitely. Yeah, it's yeah. a good source of referral traffic for a number of schools who, yeah, might not even know. Yeah. Um, all right, Angie, we've been doing our A-plus schools uh, at the end here, uh, schools that have been doing something great that we want to highlight. Do you have an A-plus school? I have an A-plus school this week. I'm really excited for the Pine Point School. I've um, been working with them for over seven years now. They're a great school, great group of people, and they just redid their website. It is now on WordPress. It's beautifully done. It was actually done by an agency called Ladybugs Interactive, and I'm friends with the owner there. Um, it's a beautiful site, and I'm really happy for Pine Point. Um, it's, it's an incredible user experience. It's SEO friendly. So Pine Point gets the A plus this week for me. That's great. All right. And thank everybody for, for listening. Uh, connect with us on LinkedIn or go to UpgradeSchoolMarketing.com to subscribe and get the next episodes. And we'll see you soon.